People engaged in family court litigation often expressed enormous frustration when their former spouses breached family court orders. Those breaches can mean the kids don't have a relationship with a parent, can cause financial hardship, or can drag family court proceedings to a standstill, meaning nothing gets finished or finalized. Judges repeatedly say that a court order is not a suggestion. But are there really any consequences for breaching a family court order? The answer to that question is the topic of this episode of the Ontario Family Law Podcast. I'm John Schumann, a certified specialist in family law in Ontario. I'm also a mediator, arbitrator, and collaborative lawyer. This podcast is a companion to my book, Guide to the Basics of Ontario Family Law, which is available on the iBookstore, Amazon, Kobo, and in fine bookstores. Separating from a spouse or partner can cause a lot of upset and negative emotions, particularly when that separation came suddenly, or as a result of conflict, or due to mental illness or substance abuse, or was otherwise the result of some sort of big event rather than a friendly parting of the ways. When that happens, separated spouses can have a really hard time helping each other out, even when they are ordered to do so. Things are worse when mental illness or substance abuse are contributing factors. In fact, it is in these difficult situations where at least one spouse is going to be, at best, uncooperative or behave poorly that family court is truly necessary. For most families in most situations, the alternatives to court can provide much better results ah. at a much less expensive cost. In episode 60, I discussed in detail the benefits and serious pitfalls to choosing family court over negotiation, mediation, arbitration, or collaborative practice to resolve parenting and financial matters after separation. But the big reason for going to court is because at least one spouse needs a court order that he or she can enforce when his or her ex is being uncooperative. But are there really any consequences to breaching a family court order? The answer can be surprising, and it depends on the situation. The first consideration is whether the court order is an order for child or spousal support, is a restraining order, or has other types of terms. The terms of a court order that require a spouse or parent to pay child support or spousal support are subject to the Family Responsibility and Support Arrears Enforcement Act. The Family Responsibility Office, or the FRO, automatically enforces support terms unless the support recipient tells the FRO not to enforce. The FRO has no choice but to enforce support orders and it cannot change, modify, or cancel support orders. All it can do is enforce orders. As I explained in episode 66 and in greater detail in my book, changing support order means going back to court or using the online service. All the FRO does is enforce support orders, and to do that, the FRO has a number of special powers that may not exist for other types of orders. When a parent or spouse does not pay support as required in a court order, the FRO takes several steps. First, it usually garnishes an employee's paycheck to collect the support. Often the FRO starts doing this immediately unless the support payer contacts the FRO to make other arrangements. However, the FRO can only garnish up to half of a support payer's paycheck. If support is more than that, the FRO won't be able to get the money from the support payer's employer. Hmm. The FRO can also garnish tax refunds or other amounts owed to a support payer by the government. If the FRO knows where the support payer has bank accounts, it can seize money out of those accounts to collect support arrears. The FRO can also issue writs of seizure and sale for a support payer's assets. Although the FRO rarely actually forces the sale of access, especially real estate, because the process can be complicated. Oh. 
Still, a support payer who is in arrears may be surprised to find that there is a lien against his or her assets when he or she tries to sell them. That can add a complication to selling real estate or mean that the proceeds of sale are diverted to the FRO. The FRO can also report arrears to a credit agency which damages the credit score of a person who is not paying the required child support. That will make it more difficult for the support payer to borrow money or get financing for purchases. When all those more ordinary enforcement tools do not work to collect support, the FRO has a number of powers that only it has. The FRO can request the suspension of government issued licenses, such as fishing, hunting or driver's licenses. It can also request the suspension of the payer's Canadian passport, perhaps making it impossible to travel abroad. There are some steps support payers can take to stop these enforcement steps, but all of them involve either entering into a payment plan to pay the arrears or getting the support order changed to reduce the amount owing. Check out episode 66 and my book for how to change a support order. Ah. If those steps don't work to get a support payer to comply with the support order, then the FRO can take the support payer to court and ask a judge to order that the support payer be sent to jail which does not eliminate the support arrears. They are still there, with accumulated interest when the payer gets out of jail. These more extraordinary enforcement tools are only available to the FRO and only for support orders. There are fewer options available when a party breaches an order for payments that are not child or spousal support. The party collecting on the payment has to do the work him or herself or get a lawyer to do it. The main tools are writs of seizure and sale garnishment, and perhaps reporting to a credit agency. Someone who does not make a court-ordered payment cannot be held in contempt for that order. This relates to a policy that has been around for a long time about not having debtors' prisons. It can be very difficult to enforce a judgment for payment of money when the person who owes the money does not have enough assets or as little income as there are caps on how much the person's pay can be garnished. Before anyone spends a lot of money getting an order to be paid some amount that is owing, it is important to consider whether collecting on that order will cost more than what can be collected from the debtor. Restraining orders are another type of order that a government agency will enforce, but for restraining orders it is the police that enforce them. The court form for restraining orders specifically says that the police can arrest someone who breaches the restraining order and that it is an offense under section 127 of the Criminal Code of Canada to breach a court order. So breaching a restraining order can lead to arrest and imprisonment. In fact, section 127 of the criminal code applies to the deliberate breach of any court order that does not involve paying money. But in reality, the police very rarely arrest people for breaching other types of orders, especially in family court. In family law, there are other types of orders. Often the most important of these are parenting orders. They have to be enforced in a very different way as getting the court order relief requires more than just collecting money. It involves controlling behavior. One area that many parents find frustrating is when the children's other parent refuses to take the children for court-ordered parenting time or wants to constantly change that parenting time or just does not see the kids at all. That can make it difficult for the caregiving parent to plan their life, establish a routine for the children, and avoid chaos in the children's lives. Parents who are cavalier about their time with the children clearly demonstrate that they are not putting the children's needs first and care little for the children's best interests. As I noted in episode 59 and in my book, there are important considerations that judges take into account when making parenting orders in the first place. But when parents refuse to use their parenting time, 
Judges are disinclined to force them to follow the order. Hmm. A judge may tell a neglectful parent that he or she should not have decision-making responsibilities if he or she is not seeing the kids regularly. But often those parents lose interest in participating in those decisions anyway, oh. unless they are trying to exert control over their ex, in which case they shouldn't have decision-making responsibilities in the first place. Yeah. While some judges may take away decision-making responsibilities from parents who don't follow the schedule, some judges view those as separate issues and don't want to take decision-making responsibility away from parents. Hmm. In addition, while most parenting professionals adopt a use-it-or-lose-it approach to parenting time because a regular routine is best for kids, mm -hmm. many family court judges preach about the importance of flexibility and prioritize the children having a relationship with both parents even when one parent makes that difficult or impossible. Oh. And those judges may be very critical of parents who are not super flexible about parenting time as it can look like a parent who insists on the schedule is undermining the children's relationship with the other parent. Oh. And that can be a reason to take the kids away. So unless a judge gets some very clear evidence about how one parent's neglect of the schedule is having a negative impact on the kids, it is unlikely that a judge will force a derelict parent to follow the schedule. Hmm. However, if someone calls the police, which can create a lot of trouble for the kids, the police are going to follow the court order as to where the children should be. Although unless the court contains a clause requiring the police to assist in enforcing it, the police may be very reluctant to do anything at all. Judges are often more concerned when a parent refuses to send their kids for their scheduled time with the other parent, regardless of the cause. In episode 75, I explained when parents can legally stop their ex from seeing the kids. Oh. Except in the very limited circumstances set out in that video, judges expect parents to send their kids as required by the parenting order. A parent who does not ensure their kids go with the other parent as scheduled can get in lots of trouble in family court. It used to be that contempt was the worst possible sanction for failing to follow a parenting order. A finding of contempt can result in a large fine or even jail time for the offending parent. Parents who block their ex's parenting time have been marched off to jail for weeks or even months. Historically, family court judges, with few exceptions, have been very reluctant to use contempt powers to punish parents. They often view contempt as the nuclear option and one that should be only used sparingly and as a last resort. Oh. Sometimes they are critical of parents who move too quickly to get their ex thrown into jail, so bringing a contempt motion can backfire. <laughs> the family law rules and rule 1 sub 8 in particular give judges other options for enforcing orders. And although it is not necessary to follow the same strict procedures that contempt motions must follow because someone can end up in jail, the penalties under Rule 1 sub 8 can be much more severe than jail. Rule 1 sub 8 allows a judge who finds one party has breached an order to make any order that the judge feels is necessary to get compliance with that order. That can include making an order cutting off the offending parent from any contact with the kids, ordering the kids to go to a treatment program, or dismissing some or all of the offending spouse's claims before the court, including financial claims not directly related to parenting. It is not necessary for allegations of a breach of an order to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt for a judge to make an order pursuant to Rule 1 sub 8. Oh. It is also not necessary to show that the breach is intentional and the penalties can be imposed even if the offending parent thought that he or she was following the court order. In the light of the severity of these penalties, a parent who faces the allegations that he or she has breached a court order should speak to an excellent family lawyer to come up with a good plan to defend against those allegations. Contempt and Rule 1 sub 8 do not just apply to parenting orders. They apply to any family court order, except that contempt cannot be used to enforce order for the payment of money, and Rule 1 sub 8 can. 
So a parent who does not make an equalization payment cannot be thrown in jail, but can have his or her other claims before the court summarily dismissed, including, theoretically, any claims related to parenting. Oh yeah. One of the most frequent uses of Rule 1 sub 8 is where a party refuses to produce court-ordered financial disclosure. This can bring family court proceedings to a halt while the court waits for the evidence it needs to decide financial issues. Hmm. After a party has failed to produce financial disclosure enough times, a judge is likely to strike the offending party's financial claims. <coughs> or that party's defense to his or her ex's financial claims. That can result in the party who is in breach of the order paying much more or getting much less than he or she should. Oh. Appeal courts are not enthusiastic to step in to assist a party who is breaching court orders. There are cases like Paul Magner Furs and Dickey v. Dickey where the appeal courts have refused to hear an appeal made by a party in breach of a court order. Also note that pursuant to Rule 19, Sub Ted Sub B, a party may not be able to use a document that is favorable to his or her case if a judge ordered him or her to disclose that document, but it did not happen. Oh. When I have talked about Rule 1 Sub 8 with regard to parenting and disclosure orders, it can apply and result in serious penalties when a party breaches any term of a family court order. The rules of professional conduct prohibit lawyers from advising their clients to do anything but comply with family court orders. However, different types of orders do have different types of penalties, and there are different likelihoods that a judge will enforce court orders. Hmm. But in most cases, when a party breaches a court order, judges will at very least view that party negatively and not be sympathetic to that party's request. That can have serious negative consequences for the case as a whole. In worst case scenarios, a party can end up in jail or lose contact with his or her kids forever. Any party who is accused of breaching a court order should speak to a good family lawyer to figure out how to get out of trouble before it is too late. You can reach my office by calling 416-446-5847. If you need some more general family law or children's law guidance, or you need to understand Ontario family law better so you can make better decisions or get out of trouble in family court, if you need to know the best parenting options after separation, or if you need to understand how finances work during a marriage or a common law relationship and after separation or divorce, Get a copy of my book, Guide to the Basics of Ontario Family Law. You can access it immediately on the iBookstore on Amazon for the Kindle version, or you can download it for Kobo. Amazon can deliver the paperback version directly to your doorstep. You can also get a lot more Ontario Family Law information on www.shumanlaw.ca. Not only are there hundreds of pages of Family Law information links, but there are links to get my book and links to reach my office to meet with either me or one of my colleagues. You can also set up an appointment to speak to us by calling 416-446-5847. It is always best to get a lawyer who can give you expert advice that's specific to your situation. In addition to my website, keep up to date on family and children's law issues by liking my Facebook page, following me on Twitter at SchumannFamLaw, and finding me on LinkedIn. Of course, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and hit the notification bell to be kept up to date. You can get the audio versions of the Ontario Family Law Podcast on all major services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many more. Or you can get all the episodes at www.shumanlaw.ca. Just look for podcasts in the drop-down menu. Thanks for participating in this podcast. We will get together again soon.